morning and welcome today. What a rainy weekend we're having, but it's still warm. That's what I'm, uh, I'm holding out for. Uh, but this is a special time of year, isn't it? Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, seems like uh, everything is very festive and busy, crazy, crazy busy. Uh, but uh, we're glad that you've joined us today. You know, I was thinking too about how this time of year uh, is a difficult time for a lot of people. Uh, there's just issues that come to light around the holidays and losses and hurts and everything just seems to be kind of emphasized in a lot of ways. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about that today and I want to begin by asking uh, you some questions and if you would respond, just hold up your hand. If in the last year or so <clears throat> you have lost a loved one, uh, someone that's close to you, would you just raise your hand? Um, just raise that up and hold, keep your hands up if you would. That'll include me. Uh, my mom passed away this summer, so I, I'll, I'll include myself there. If you're sick currently, if you had an injury, uh, if you are struggling mentally, physically, emotionally, would you raise your hand up? And everybody just keep your hand up as well. Um, and thirdly, if you have someone that you know, someone that you're close to, uh, who is sick, injury, has had an illness or a loss of a loved one, would you raise your hand up as well? Now, I want you to just look around a little bit, and what you're going to notice is almost everybody in the room um, has got their hand up. And so what that reminds us is that this is a common illness, uh, issue that we deal with all the time. And about this time of year, some of that are hurt, that loneliness maybe, or that emptiness or that, um, that emphasis on what we are limited and what we can do. We can't go to an event, uh, maybe because you're vulnerable, whatever it may be, those things just seem to be kind of magnified because none of us are exempt from that kind of hurt. And what, you know what I realize is that we have addressed those issues or tried to, right? We have huge hospitals. I mean, hospitals you can get lost in very easily, massive hospitals. We have drugs, we have surgeries, we have new treatments coming out, health and wellness programs. People spend their entire lifetimes in research and trying to do everything they can to help people and help us avoid illness. But no matter how hard we try, we simply cannot avoid that. And as we get older, it becomes a lot more obvious. And it's kind of like Pandora's box that was opened up. Once opened up, suddenly we are now subject to sickness, sin, death, all the things that are negative in life, and we can't escape it. Well, that's the bad news. So far, it's been all bad news, right? Because we've been reminded of these limitations and hurts and, and losses and everything. We can't, that's the bad news. But here's the thing, there is good news. And that is that Jesus is our hope for that. In fact, he is the only hope. You know, I think about this sometime. I remember one time when Jesus was with his disciples and there were people who were starting to leave him because he was becoming a little more insistent about uh, following him, not just the good things, the goodies he was giving. And there were people leaving him and Jesus asked them, are you going to leave me as well? And they said, where else is there to go? There is nowhere else to go, right? So Jesus is not just the best op uh, not just the, the, the only option, he is the best option. And so today we're going to be talking a little bit about that because Jesus is our hope. He has conquered sin, sickness, and death. In fact, back in Isaiah chapter 53, it says this, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. It's an amazing prophecy that talked about not only the Messiah coming, but also that Jesus would address the things, the personal 
uh, things that, that bother us most, that str- str- we struggle with the most. And God gave this promise to a world that was filled with sickness and suffering in that day. He told them that hope was coming, that Jesus would suffer for us, with us, that he would be beaten, he would be pierced, he would die in our place so that our soul could be healed and we could be forgiven, that we could overcome all sickness and all death. You know, for many years, in light of this promise and this prophecy, they lived in the light of this, and then Jesus came. The Bible says in the fullness of time that Jesus came into our world. And then it says he was acquainted with our sufferings and our grief. His physical body was vulnerable to the same things that you and I are, the sicknesses and disease that we, we have today. He had compassion and for others. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. In fact, we have a record of at least 25, probably over 25 people specifically that Jesus healed or brought back to life again. 25 people. Unless you think that that's all Jesus did, there were many, many more. John 21 says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So Jesus did many more things. We only have a sampling. And I believe one of the reasons that we have uh, just this amount is that Jesus' ministry wasn't all about dealing with the, spirit, the physical issues that people have. It wasn't just trying to make everybody well in that day and raise everybody life again because they would get sick again and they would die again. That's not what Jesus was all about. His was spiritual healing. And after Jesus' earthly ministry, he died on the cross. His body was vulnerable to pain, suffering, and ultimately death, showing his humanness, dealing with our sin, sickness. And then we know he rose again, showing his power over everything, including death, and giving us the same hope for our own future. And that's where we are today. We are living today in the light of hope for eternity, but also hope for the moment. Because Jesus still empathizes with our hurts, and Jesus still heals people today. And he still comforts people today. And he still hears the prayers that we pray whenever we're hurting or we're grieving. So in the midst of our own struggle, in the midst of our sickness, our, 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 our oppression, our depression, our grief, whatever it may be, Jesus cares. He is there in the midst of that. And that's important because it's kind of where we're going in our scripture today from the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at a couple of cases here where the power of Jesus is going to be shown, demonstrated in a miraculous ways. And I I believe that God still works miracles today through the power of Jesus, very much so. We'll talk about that in a moment. But let's look at a couple cases in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 9. It says, as Peter traveled around the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your map. Immediately, Aeneas got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Well, we're kind of switching gears a little bit here, because last week, the last two weeks, we talked about Paul. Remember that? Paul, formerly Saul, came to know the Lord, his conversion, his testimony, last couple of weeks. Well, now Paul is in Tarsus because he was causing so many issues in Jerusalem and opposition, so they sent him to Tarsus, which was his hometown. And, and there for Paul, there's about 10 years of biblical silence. Now, you'd always pick this up. Again, we talked about time lapses in the scripture, but there's about 10 years that we don't hear anything about Paul. And suddenly he shows back up in Acts chapter 13 uh, and he's sent for to, uh, to begin his real ministry. 
uh, but there's a silence here in his life, most likely being prepared by God for his ongoing ministry. So the Acts story switches back once again to Peter. He was a big part of the first part of the book of Acts. Now it's back to his life again. And if you remember persecution after Saul was converted, had eased up and the apostles started traveling more themselves. They left Jerusalem as well, became missionaries more. And Peter is doing a lot of travel and he visits believers in a place called Lydda. Now Lydda is, uh, is near what is now the Ben-Huron airport outside of Tel Aviv, if you want to kind of get a picture of where that might be. That's where the city, city of Lydda was. But he went to Lydda and there he met a man named Neus who is paralyzed, had been bedridden for eight years. You know, imagine what that would be like if um, maybe he was a middle-aged guy, we don't know, but, but imagine the, the physical, the mental, and the financial suffering his family had gone through. Probably the breadwinner, more than likely, who had been working and suddenly he wakes up one day and he can't move. He's paralyzed. We hear stories about that uh, every now and then of these strange illnesses. We don't know what it was, but something had paralyzed his physical body. But Peter meets up with him, and Peter calls him by name and says, clearly, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Notice here that Peter didn't take credit. He didn't say, I'm healing you. He said, Jesus Christ is healing you. And uh, immediately, Aeneas got up, started walking around. Remember, too, that Luke, <coughs> who is the author of Acts, he was a medical doctor, traveled quite often uh, with Paul a little bit later on, but he knew Peter as well. He makes sure we know how serious this was, that the man was paralyzed, he was bedridden, and this was a supernatural miracle. You know, it wasn't just the guy was, you know, in, in bad shape, he literally couldn't move. You know, in the book of Acts, there are at least 14 miraculous healings recorded there. So this was a, a miracle, a healing that was done by Peter, or through Peter, by Jesus Christ. And to be clear here, there were really two miracles uh, that happened there that day, the, the least of which was this physical healing. Uh, the first was Aeneas. The second was a spiritual healing of the people of that city. They were healed spiritually. It says, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon, a nearby town, saw him and turned to the Lord. So here Jesus is saving people, healing people, saving people. And that's even more of a miracle than healing someone. By the way, if you are a believer, you have had the greatest miracle of all in your life. You have been saved from your sins. You've been given a relationship with God. So everyone, everybody likes the physical miracles. They're more dramatic, right? But the greater miracle is when Jesus saves a person. So you have experienced a miracle in your own life. Now, before we leave this passage, though, I want to talk a little bit about Jesus' power to heal. Because even from heaven, which is where Jesus was at that moment and where he is now, Jesus can still heal, and the scripture is proof. So we ask the question, can Jesus heal today? Does Jesus heal today? How does he heal today? Well, certainly, we know that God heals through medicine and through medical treatment. Uh, he, he's given medicine and knowledge and wisdom and ability and experience and technology and everything else is just multiplying today. All those things, and we ought to take advantage of those things. It's foolish not to take advantage of those things if they are available for your illness. So that, let me say that up front. God heals in those ways for sure. Now, in the Bible times, oftentimes healing came immediately at that very moment, and it came in the form of a person whether it be Jesus, sometimes was a prophet in the Old Testament, whether it be Jesus, a prophet, a, a, a apostle, whoever it might be, someone touching or speaking to the sick person. 
Now, I don't believe that that has to be done today. I don't want to limit God. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen today, but I'm going to say that doesn't have to be done today, right? You know, as elders, we believe in the scripture in James chapter four, we practice this all the time. Is someone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And let me just say this. I believe that there are miraculous healings today that come primarily in the form or through the power of prayer without ruling out the possibility of other ways. Let me just say that as well. But I believe that primarily God heals through the power of prayer today without even an individual being involved in that. But God can do what he wants to do. I also believe that, that Jesus has a hand in all healing and all sickness today. Someone might say, well, I went to the doctor and they took care of it. I didn't have to pray about it. Well, I believe that God has given the ability to heal through medicine, through treatment, surgery, whatever. God has given that to talented, gifted, trained people today. But I believe in all sickness, especially serious, serious illness, that Jesus has a big hand in that. Let me also say that we know you can't make Jesus heal somebody. Not by trying to guilt him, not by trying to, you know, beg him, you know, or manipulate him. We, that's not possible. Jesus is sovereign. He is in control. He will do what he chooses to do. And because of that, we should always humbly make our requests known to him. The Bible says that. The Bible also says there are various responses that, that Jesus can do. He can say yes, which is great. He often does. I've seen him do miraculous things, miracles. Probably all of us have, and we often maybe even don't realize where the true healing comes from. But he can do that. Sometimes he says no, which he has the freedom and the right to do because he is the creator. Sometimes he says later. Sometimes he says, you'll just have to wait. And none of us really know the mind of God. We don't know why God chooses to heal in one case or not to heal in the other case or to wait. We don't know why that is. Healing oftentimes is tied to faith in the Bible. But also understand just because a person is not healed doesn't mean that they don't have faith. There are occasions in the Bible where the person is healed and it, we don't even know if he had faith it, because his friends might have had faith because someone prayed in faith. Or maybe this was just a decision that Jesus made in the moment. So it is Jesus who heals and it's God's will whether that person be healed or not. And none of us are wise enough or knowing enough to understand that all the time. I certainly don't. But what I also know is that there were people who were strong believers in the Bible, who were full of faith, who were ill and yet did not experience healing. So it isn't always just the fact that you have great faith that you're going to be healed. For example, one of Paul's ministry partners, a man, Trophinius, Paul couldn't heal him. He was sick and Paul couldn't heal him. And even Paul himself had a physical problem of some sort that could not be healed. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's talking about the inexpressible things that he had seen when he was caught up into heaven and the great, great revelations that he had, had, had seen. And he says this, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was giving a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me, on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul was sick, and he didn't just happen to have an illness. You know, he, he was a human, obviously like all of us, but he didn't just happen to have a physical ailment of some kind. He said God actually gave him this issue to keep him humble. Now, all sorts of ideas have been suggested about what that might be, from a bad back uh, to bad eyes. We don't know what it was. It was some sort of physical injury or illness that he actually felt like uh, kept him from being able to serve God faithfully. You know, it was a limitation of his life. And that day, if you were ill or had some challenge, it wasn't easy treat, easily treated. And uh, so it, it could really control your life. But he called it a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him. So it became for him a spiritual challenge, a spiritual challenge. You know, it, it, he struggled with it because he oftentimes wondered why God didn't take it away. Do you pick up on that? Have you ever been like that yourself? Have you ever had something in your life that you thought, I don't know why God doesn't take this away? And because of that, it kind of, you had, you struggle with the temptation to blame God. Some of you are looking at me like, I would never do that. Well, I've done that. (laughs) Uh, I had a point in my life, I I was struggling. I didn't have any idea what was going on. And I was pretty pathetic, to be honest with you. I just said, God, I'm like your man. If there was anybody who ought to be healed, it ought to be me. You know, because I can't even do my work because of this, you know. I was really whiny. Lori told me to get my act together, you know. Um, So I've been there. I've gone through that a lot. And it becomes a spiritual challenge to us. We're miserable. We start to blame God. And we ask God and question God, why don't you heal me? But God isn't always just about healing us from all of our issues. We're human, and we're going to have issues, and we're going to die. So we have to understand that. But in this case, Satan was literally opposing Paul through his physical body, a messenger of Satan. When you're hurting and suffering, it may actually be sometimes Satan attacking you, but God can and will use that to grow you, to keep you humble, and to make you more like Jesus. That's exactly what Paul is saying there. So so we look at whatever's going on in our life, our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, if we connect back to CR our illnesses, whatever it may be. And we say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I'd really appreciate if you'd heal this. If if you don't, I'm going to believe in you anyway, but use this for your glory and to grow me. Paul said that not only had he prayed for it to be removed, but he had pleaded with the Lord three times. And I don't think this is probably like three prayers, you know, that were, that he just said, well, and then gave up. Probably these were long periods of time where he prayed and fasted, uh, crying out to God. But God had not taken it away. Instead, he said to him, what Paul, the message Paul got is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's the, the message we need to hear from God, that if, even if it doesn't go away, God's grace is sufficient for us to endure it. So the apostle Paul, who could heal everybody else seemingly, could not heal himself. And so he leaned into the grace of God, and he found that God's grace was sufficient. In fact, God's grace helped him do more things, greater things, because of this struggle that he had. And he learned how to actually boast about his weaknesses. 
delighting in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, we read about all the things that Paul had been through. And you would say, well, if I'd gone through all those things, I don't know if I could have really been a believer or not and still been a, you know, a missionary. But Paul says, I actually delight in those things, in those hardships and difficulties. Because through those things, he came to know God greater. He endured the suffering. He gave God the glory. And in doing so, he found strength in his weakness. So when you are suffering, and you will suffer, nobody promised you a perfect life, a painless life, a joyful life always. We're going to get ill. We're going to lose loved ones. We're going to struggle. We're going to hurt. That's life. It's a part of life, not to be harsh, but it's just the reality of life. We know that. So when you're suffering, you need to pray and seek God. And I think also, you know, it would be wise since the Bible does talk about the fact that that God has a a plan of discipline and a plan of, of making us holy and purifying our life. And that sometimes he has to get our attention to do that. You might ask yourself, is there an area in my life that I'm letting Satan have some control? Is, is God allowing some sickness or ailment to get my attention, maybe to stop me in my tracks physically? Because we can forget about God sometimes, be so caught up in ourselves that until we are stopped to pay attention and listen to what God may have to say, to stop us physically so we can be healed spiritually. Do you need to repent and seek God and healing? Perhaps that is the reason that this is going on. Or is this something that you need to submit to and just let God show you his strength in your weakness? And just because healing doesn't come doesn't mean that you've done anything specifically wrong and that God is punishing you. Paul was a spiritual giant. He didn't get healed. God's grace is sufficient and you will get through it by his grace. Maybe we need to hear something like that every now and then to remind us of how do we deal with the struggles in our life. But let me say that God is sympathetic and compassionate to us whenever we hurt. You know, God is not unfeeling. He is compassionate. He knows that we are weak and frail, but he gives us strength to get through it. So what I'd like to do right now, I'd like to just stop and I'd like to pray that God would give us his grace and his wisdom as we struggle with the challenges of our lives. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your day, this day, and I thank you for your word God, I thank you that you are a father who loves us and cares for us. God, we don't know your ways. We don't understand why these things have to happen except for the fact that our world and humanity is broken by sin, and they are a reality to all of us, that these bodies are temporary. There are illnesses that we're vulnerable to, sometimes difficult to understand, to explain. But God, you are a gracious God and a loving God. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us your wisdom and your strength. Lord, our prayer is always for healing and mercy and grace. But, God, we know that your grace is sufficient, and you will care for us no matter what. So, Lord, I pray for your peace and comfort on our, each of us, Lord, and the ones that we love as we go through this time. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, you guys are out early. Oh, sorry. You're going to have to wait a while because I'm not done yet. All right. All right. You want to go back? You can go back. All right. 
All right. So we need to get our logistics a little bit better. I might should tell Dan that we have a prayer in the middle of the sermon next time. All right. Anyway, let's go back to Acts chapter 9. Because now we see another miracle here. Uh, it says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. And she was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. So there, there was a lady in Joppa um, who had been a servant to her community. She'd been making clothes. She'd been doing good things. She'd been helping the poor out. We don't know if she was a Christian, but these are the kind of things that Christians do, right? So I've always assumed that she was probably a, a good Christian lady and most likely was. But she became ill and she died. And as was her custom, she was washed, her body was washed, and she was laid in an upstairs room. So they would bury a body very quickly like that same day. But there was a time of funeral and, uh, and that happened really fast. So uh, Tabitha died, and uh, she, there's no doubt that she's dead. I mean, they've been washing her body and laid her out, so she's definitely dead. And, uh, and, you know, for all of us, as we saw a few moments ago, all of us have lost loved ones. Funeral are just all too familiar for us. So we, we kind of know what's going on there, right? The body's laid out, people coming in to express their condolences, people talking about all the good memories, all the good things that a deceased person has done. You know, that, that's just a part of our world. It's a reality that we know. And, but the funerals of that day were really mostly more emotional than today. In fact, they would hire uh, mourners to come in. Uh, I have these uh, horrible flashbacks of when I was a kid because much of my family uh, one side was very emotional. And so I can picture this mentally just scary almost because you're just terrified of what's going on and, and the, the, the obvious grief. So, the, it, you know, the more people grieved, uh, the more value was placed on the person. That was kind of how it was in that culture. So it was a lot going on in the room all over the house there. And Tabitha's friends heard that Peter was nearby. And so they sent messengers to get him. And Peter sent them all, when he got there, he sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees and prayed, turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented them to the, her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the, Lord, in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So Peter goes in and he clears the room out and he knelt down and prayed. You know, I was, I've thought about this and I'm, I don't know <coughs> at what point Peter knew or any of the apostles knew when they got there that they would actually raise this person. I don't know if they were just like, yep, I'm going to go bring her back to life again. Or if they just were led by God when they got there. So we don't know that what was happening in Peter's mind, but he got there um, and, uh, and he saw the need and the, the hurt and the loss and everything. Another thing I noticed that Jesus and or his followers healed every sick person they met. We have this idea that every time Jesus saw somebody sick, he just healed them. Somebody dead, he brought them back to life again. I don't know. I don't think that happened all the time and probably didn't with them. There's, there's no uh, record of that happening in every case. But somehow Peter knew that God wanted Tabitha to, to return to life. And so he spoke her name. He told her to get up. And she just opened her eyes and she sat up. And Peter took her by her hand. I would think she was probably an older lady. I don't know that. Helped her to her feet, presented her to her friends alive. 
You know, it's always great to be used by God, but you, can you imagine what an honor it was for Peter to be able to say, here she is, you know, uh, she can cook some more good things and make some clothes. You know, and that was a really cool thing that would happen there. It was an honor and be used by God in a powerful way. Now, I think it's also to notice here that Tabitha was revived. She was not resurrected. If you ever thought about that or not, but she was brought back to life again, but one day she would die. She would get sick and die again. And again, you know, our focus is always life, 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 but we know that there's going to be death. So even if someone is brought back from a serious illness, and even in the Bible time when someone was healed, they eventually passed away. And, um, but being a believer, and whether she was before that, obviously I would think she would be after that. One day, even though she would die, she would experience a greater rising a greater that was awaiting her and every one of us. And that is the resurrection brought back to life. And that's the resurrection from death that we're promised as Christians today. So what happens to a person when they die? You know, some of you probably think that nothing happens. Um, I have a friend that just tells me nothing happens when he dies, you know? Um, and then he started talking about hell. And I'm like, uh, okay, is there a hell? If you think there's a hell, there must be a heaven. It's going to be an arguing spot for us at some point. But the, we as believers know that there is something, a lot happening after death. We know that because Jesus was resurrected, we too will be resurrected through him. Not just revived to die again, we're going to be resurrected for eternity. And resurrection means that we will live never to die again. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what gives us hope and it's why that we live our life for Christ. Not only because we want that resurrection for ourselves, not, not only because we're selfish like that a little bit, but also because we are so committed that, to know that Jesus is God's son, that we're sold out to follow him. So, you know, it's not just what we get, it's just a conviction that we have as well. And, and this is something else you need to know is that one day, one day you're going to die. That's the bad news. And nobody wants to hear that, but it's just the reality of it. We hope it's a long time from now, uh, but we never know. Uh, the people I know who get older tell me it's not always great to live a long, long time. That isn't always great, you know, because quality of life really goes down. And the thing that we fear for the believer is, the great, is going to be a great friend for us because Jesus has taken the sting out of death. That's why we can believe and find joy even when we lose someone who is in the Lord. That's an important part. But we're going to die because we're human and because humanity is broken by sin. But if you believe in and have given your life to Christ and you're living for him, you may die physically, but you will never, ever die spiritually or eternally. And that's the good news of the gospel. Because Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, we can, when we die and are buried, we will rise again as well. Your death will be temporary and just as Jesus came to life back, back to life and conquered sin and death, so will you as well. And there will be a day of resurrection coming. Jesus was the first, the first fruits, the Bible says, ours is to follow. Death is a time for tears, but he will wipe away every tear from my eye. Every tear, no more grief, no more pain, no more sorrow. Death shall be no more. And I want to close up today with some words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And these are words that I just actually added this morning because I, I just kind of put them on my heart as I was 
thinking of how to bring up, what, what, what do we need to part with? Hear, hear these words, 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers and sisters, do not, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. See the hope in this? Man, this is amazing. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Are there any more encouraging words in the world than these words? To know that our loved ones who have passed on and we ourselves will one day rise through the power of Jesus and we will come with him to meet those who are left and remaining. That's That's our hope in the world. And this is great news for the believers. In fact, for the Christian, this life that you're living right now is the, is the, is the worst it could get. The worst it could get. But for the non-Christian, this life with all of its sickness, pain, and death is as good as it gets. What, you're, what they're going through now is as good as they're ever going to experience. It's going to get a lot worse for them. But it's going to get better for us. The Bible tells us that we'll all be raised from death and we will all stand before the judgment throne of God. And those who are in Christ will be rewarded with eternal life. And those who are not in Christ, who lived their life outside of Christ, will be punished with eternal separation from God. And we call that hell. But the great news is that God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to be healed, maybe not in the moment in this earth, because we're all going to die one day, but we can be healed spiritually so that we will be resurrected and live with him eternally. See, I started off with bad news, but I ended with good news. That's important. Good news. And that's what we live for. The world doesn't understand that, but that is the hope that we have. And we need to celebrate that. And we should tell them about that. They need to know. And that's why. That's why we should be sent, and we are sent, to tell the world the good news. You know, we're going to wrap up this morning, (laughs) really, with a prayer, so you guys can come out in a minute here. We're going to wrap up, but but guys, can you pray about this? And let's take a few moments of prayer (coughs) and thankfulness to God for what he's given to us and promised us. And if you want someone to talk to about or pray with you, maybe you're hurting right now. This is the time of year that you feel empty and lonely. If you want somebody to pray with you, we're going to be up here available to do that with you. Or if you want to talk about your, your next step on your journey, or maybe make, to make sure that you actually will be counted among those who are resurrected, we'd love to have that conversation with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. God, I want to thank you for the hope that we have. Lord, we know that this life can be difficult. And, and, and really hard for us to understand sometimes why we have to go through or the people that we love have to go through things or why they have to pass. But God, we know that this is only uh, the result of the brokenness of humanity by, by sin. And that, Lord, you sent Jesus to come here to heal and to replace and restore. And God, that Jesus still heals today. 
We know that there are miracles that happen physically in people's lives. We pray always for those things, God, but we know that the greatest miracles are the spiritual miracles, the salvation that comes that every one of us can experience 100% through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to seek the spiritual healing even above the, the physical healing and to pray for those, that healing in the lives of others, Lord, even above the physical healing that, that we long for and we want for them. But God, we thank you that Jesus came to give us life. Life here, hope here, but more importantly, life eternally. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and celebrate and worship him.